Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to The Dugout. I'm Pascal Lemaire and Barney Cork is on the line as we look back on a big week in football. On this week's episode, we'll reflect on the semi-finals in the Champions League and the Europa League. Uh, but first, let's start with the Premier League title race, which will be sewn up this weekend if Leicester win at Man United. Uh, Barnes, surely there's no way they lose it now. I mean, just how great an achievement is this? It's it's unbelievable. It's the greatest achievement in English football history. It's, it's that big. It's probably the biggest achievement in football history anywhere. The, the amount they were underdogs. Look at the the bookies' odds, 5,000 to 1. I think if they do it, it's the single most... Um, against the odd story of they've they've ever had in any bookies, in, not even sports in any single event, it's that big. It's just no one really saw this coming. It, if you told someone this twelve months ago, they they wouldn't have believed you. Everyone expected Leicester to be in the relegation battle, but now they're leading the way by seven points. And yeah, as you say, I don't think there's any way they can let it slip now. They may not do it this weekend. Obviously, Old Trafford is not an easy place to go, but they've answered every single question uh, thrown at them so far this season. So it's pretty hard to believe with seven-point lead with three games left. I know all they need now is one more win or three more draws or even Tottenham to win one of, the, one of their final three games. So hard to believe they might let it slip now. And I think it would pretty much, some people might say it would be better for them to win it at home, but I think it would be perfect for them to win it at Old Trafford, which is obviously one of the most historic grounds there is in England. to see more league titles than any other uh, ground in England. United have been the dominant team in the Premier League era, so for Leicester to do what they're doing and then complete it at at United's own ground, it's been so much talk of it being just like a movie script and maybe a movie being made out of it, it would just be the perfect ending to it. And... I'm hoping they do do it because I think they deserve the perfect ending and obviously without Vardy he probably deserves to be there more than most uh, the the work he's done for them this season but then it just adds to their underdog story really if they could beat the one of the biggest clubs in world football without their star striker then it would just be the fairy tale ending to what has just been an, a remarkable incredible season I don't really think words can do it justice it's been so so good for them and they, they deserve all the credit really I know and considering you know they, they, they have been there or thereabouts most of the season but you know, it's even say around Christmas time, everyone was saying, uh, you know, they're probably going to mess this up. You know, surely they're not going to be able to have the bottle to do it. But you know, just you just look at their form, the way they're finishing the season, it's just incredible. I think it's six clean sheets in seven now. The only game they haven't won in that time uh, was the two-all draw against West Ham, where you know that was the game where refereeing decisions, you know, wrote all the headlines. There was the Vardy sending off, uh, two dodgy penalties. You know, one of West Ham's goals was an absolute screamer from Cresswell. So apart from that, they've been so solid and. You know, last weekend they host Swansea and people thought it might be a tough game for them, especially obviously with Vardy missing, but 4-0, their biggest win of the whole season for it to come at that stage, just so, so impressive from them and, you know, Mario stepped up, the first goal, absolute gift, I mean, Ashley Williams usually so solid, just gives the ball away and Mares, you know, he'd been off the ball a bit, I don't think he had a goal or assist in three matches uh, before that, but he took took the ball and uh, great finish into the near post and then Williams again he was at fault for the second goal uh, letting uh, Ujoa just uh, get free and from that point on it was never going to be easy for Swansea and uh, I mean Ranieri's team selection in that game as well really impressed me obviously he had he had to change uh, Vardy for Ujoa and Ujoa comes in and scores twice but the other one was he went for Jeffrey Schlupp over Mark Albright I mean Albrighton came off the bench and scored but 
Schlupp was so dangerous down that left-hand side with his pace and I think Ranieri had obviously identified that that might be an area where they could cause Swansea problems and it worked brilliantly and that's just you know just shows how good Ranieri's been this season I mean obviously uh, the motivation all that kind of stuff but his team selection's been good as well and like I said an amazing season for them and like I say if they do do it at Old Trafford um, it would just be an incredible achievement and yeah like I said I can't think of anything just quite like it in recent history and I think that win over Swansea really summed up their whole season when they needed to come up with the goods they've done it pretty well obviously there was all that talk um, really going into the closing stages of the season how they would handle that pressure of being actually in the title race when everyone's starting to believe they might actually win the title now and then they go on their best run of form for 50 odd years if not more than that when they won five in a row kept five clean sheets in a row um, and it it goes to show even with Vardy um, out then those question marks over the, how they would cope without Vardy might they throw it away now without the star strike and then Ajoa comes in and scores two goals as he mentioned and just the whole squad has been has bought into this obviously there's the, uh, the the carrot dangling at the end of it of the Premier League title they'll get a Premier League medals winner but the way because it's been such a solid uh, starting eleven for the vast majority of the season Vanieri's named the same starting eleven a lot more than any other manager in the league this season but even the the players who haven't been starting those games have come in they've bought into the whole philosophy of it and they've done it's been a really squad effort even though the same eleven have uh, started a, a lot of the games and I think it shows quite how unlikely everyone thought it was that it, it wasn't really until that win over Swansea and then Tottenham drawn against West Brom that you know the whole country started thinking right it is going to be Leicester now. There are still doubts over them. And obviously that's understandable because they've never been there before and it was just such a, a, an unlikely story to happen. But the way now the whole country's behind them, I think it took until three games left, despite them being in such good form over the entirety of the season. It's taken until three games left for everyone to think, right, it is their title now. And that just goes to show how big an achievement it is and how li- unlikely it was. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know some people will say, you know, uh, they'll look at some of the teams that have been so weak this season compared to where we thought they'd be. I mean, Chelsea uh, down there in ninth, obviously last year's champions, they've been really poor. And uh, teams like Man United not doing as well, Arsenal dropping away. But if even let, I mean, by last weekend, it could only have been Leicester or Spurs. And I mean, that's still pretty amazing that, you know, a team, you know, Spurs haven't won it since the 60s. Obviously, Leicester so close to being relegated last year. The fact that, you know, these two teams are the ones competing just shows how amazing a season has been. And I mean, as for Spurs, obviously very disappointing to effectively lose the title the way they did on Monday night uh, against West Brom I mean everyone thought you know people were saying about Swansea how you know they were already on the beach uh, going into that game against Leicester but and how West Brom would be the same on Monday night but it wasn't the case at all really you know West Brom uh, competed well in that game they were you know I think they got dominated a bit in the first half and I think Spurs could have been more than one goal in front but in the second half West Brom having more possession than Spurs at White Hart Lane uh, they got the goal through Craig Dawson, who uh, scored at both both ends in that one. But um, for Spurs, obviously a disappointing way for the season to finish. But I think on the whole, it's still been a very positive campaign for them, isn't it? Well, it's been a great season for them. And I, everyone saying that maybe they messed it up with that draw at West Brom. I think that's a bit harsh on them. I think Leicester have just been relentless, really. Mm. They haven't they haven't uh, let up. And in many other tag races, okay, the, I don't know the exact statistics, but the points tally may not be enough to win it in many other Premier League seasons. But the way Leicester have just relentlessly picked up the points, even when Tottenham, you know, they've been in fantastic form themselves. You look at those, uh, the two matches when the pressure's been on, beat um, Manchester United 3-0 and then Stoke 4-0 with a fantastic performance. There's not too much more Tottenham really could have done. They've dropped points here and there, but they wouldn't have expected Leicester to be so relentless with their wins as well. So I, I think 
you can't take anything away from Tottenham season. They're going to fall quite short, and they'll be hoping that this isn't a flash in the pan sort of season for them um, I don't think it will be because they've got such a good young squad the youngest squad in the Premier League so it looks like it's only going to get better if they can keep hold of the vast majority of those players which I think and of course the manager I think he's a key cog of it as well if they can keep hold of that unit then I think they've this the title races are, are really think are going to become a regular occurrence in the future for them um, so the future's bright for them I'd probably say they're going to be up there again next season more than Leicester but whatever happens uh, over the closing three stages of the season, even if, to be honest, they're caught by Man City or Arsenal, I think it's been a really good season for them. They can hold their heads up high. Not No one was expecting them to go on a title challenge at the start of the season and any other campaign will be saying it's been an in- incredible season for them. They've just been a bit overshadowed by Leicester's successes. Mm. Still, though, they can be rightly proud of their campaign. Yeah, I was just about to ask, actually. Like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would say that of the two, even though Leicester, you know, have done so well this year, I think most people would say that Spurs are better equipped for, say, the Champions League next season and to sort of maintain their status as a top four side. But I mean, as for Spurs, you know, a lot of people sort of, I mean, as you see, a lot of people say they're the most complete team in the Premier League. You know, I mean, until last weekend, they had the highest, uh, more, they'd scored more goals than anyone else, uh, conceded fewer than anyone else, so they kind of had that complete look to the team. But I would say it has. It's disappointing how they have kind of dropped away from Leicester. Considering at one point people thought, you know, they're going to go on and you know take up the race. They're going to go to the front of the front of the pack. But I, I would probably say they are better equipped to handle sort of Champions League football next season and try and keep their place in the top four. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I think that it's just so hard to predict with Leicester now. I, I can't help but feel this is a sort of once in a lifetime season for them. But then. We, we've all been proved wrong by them this season so it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see that what does happen with Leicester next season particularly in the Champions League where if they play like they have done this season then you know they've been a lot lot better than Manchester City and Manchester City are there in the semi-finals of the Champions League so if Leicester can recreate their performances this season uh, uh, next season sorry that they have this season then they could do well in the Champions League they've certainly got the tools in in the terms of the way they play the speed on the counter-attack that will hurt a lot of teams in, in Europe that they might perhaps surrender a lot more pressure to and we've seen teams in England become more wise to Leicester as the course of the season has gone on it might take teams in Europe a bit of time to come used to that so it will be really interesting to see how Leicester get on in Europe but I do agree that Tottenham are better equipped certainly on paper they've got such a balanced squad and the youth of the squad is the main thing I think the as I, as I mentioned earlier younger squad in the Premier League if they can keep that at the core of it Ali's obviously had such a fantastic season PFA Young Player of the Year Dyer's had a great season as well Harry Kane's still really young up front he's been superb for both of his seasons in the Premier League so far got a good, good really good captain and goalkeeper in Hugo Lloris really good uh, central defensive partnership as well the Belgians Vertonghen and Alderweireld so everywhere there's such a well-balanced side, such a young one, which if they can keep them together, I think they've got a really bright future. I wouldn't be surprised to see them kick on and win um, a, a title in the coming years. Yeah, I just I think the thing you, you sort of talk about, you know, Spurs' is sort of stand-up players and their starting eleven there, but you know they have got you know decent enough replacements uh, for those kind of players, and that's the thing about Leicester. I mean, you look at their season. Uh, didn't have a, a, a particularly good run in either cup competition. All they have been able to really focus on is the title for them, and that's going to be lo- a lot different next season. It's going to be all eyes on them. Uh, obviously, they're going to go straight into the Champions League group stage. So they're going to have at least six games there, and you know people will be expecting them to go on maybe better runs in the cups as well. And you worry. I mean, obviously there is going to be stuff done in the summer, but I think you've got to worry for Leicester in terms of their squad depth because, as you as you uh, pointed out earlier, you know they've Ranieri has been able to stick with basically the same formula for for most of the season, so. 
when he has to sort of change things around and you know use his squad, you wonder if they're going to be as well equipped, you know, to handle all those trips in Europe and uh, cup competitions as well. Yeah, and that is another test they need to do because they haven't really had any big injury problems all season. Vardy suspension in the last two games has been the main absentee really they've had they've had mm. uh, Matty James has been out for a bit of the season Schluck got injured at some point but they weren't starters anyway so they have been a bit fortunate with injuries and they are going to need a bigger squad because as energetic and um uh, just the the way they play the high uh, the the high um the energy they play with I don't think that's they're not going to be able to do that twice a week every single week in the season so they are going to need to invest in a, in more squad players I think this eleven would could probably continue. I think Claudio Ranieri will keep faith with this eleven as much as he can. But more squad players, people will bring in, and they won't lose too much. You mentioned Schlupp earlier. He, he's he's a good example. If they can bring in players like him, obviously he's not one of the biggest names in European football. You see him coming up against a Barcelona, and you think that's one of the biggest mismatches there's going to be in Champions League history. But they've done the job this season and I think if they can do that again with the same style in Europe next season and bring in a few more players that if they need to rest some players then um, they might stand a chance but they certainly do need to strengthen in the summer Yeah I was just thinking do you think there's like any sort of chance that I mean you just look at the names on, on some of the players on that team sheet and you think is there a chance they could just get a bit overawed with the whole I mean say they get in a group I mean they're obviously not going to I don't think they'll be a very obviously not a very high seed for the Champions League group draw because they've got no recent history in European competitions but imagine if they go in a group with say two of Europe's bigger names and then you look at players like you know Albrighton you know bit part player at Aston Villa for a few years Wes Morgan you know championship defender for a long time obviously Vardy's come up through the lower leagues I mean Mares as well you know 450,000 about two seasons ago that's how much he cost and I do just. I mean, it's been great for them this season domestically. But I was just just thinking about it. Worry if maybe they might get a bit overawed in Europe. And I mean, I just hope next season isn't like a really calamitous campaign for them. You know, they've obviously done superbly well this season. Looks like they're going to win the title. But it would just it would be really sad, wouldn't it, if they sort of you know dropped off completely, say finished down in mid table, either in the bottom half, and you know sort of maybe got a bit humiliated in the Champions League. Yeah, but the thing about this Leicester squad from the outside looking in, the characters they've got, I don't know if they really will be overawed. You see how you know Vardy's um, adapted to international football, for example, is another step up and this new one. I don't see people like Vardy really giving uh, a, a Barcelona too much respect at all. I think if Barcelona comes to town, obviously there's going to be awe about them. They're a great team. Messi's arguably the greatest player of all time. There's going to be a bit of awe about them. I don't think Leicester will give them any respect. They'll get in their faces. They'll give them a tough time and you know, a team like Barcelona might actually suit them because they give up so much possession and hit them so quickly on the break and Barcelona aren't the quickest team um, defensively either so it might actually suit them uh, playing a team like Barcelona more than it might a team one of the lower ranked teams in Europe so as I say it's just going to be so intriguing to see how they get on um, obviously I don't think they can hold their own against the Barcelona um, just yet but they've, they've proven me wrong so many times already this season so it's just going to be so intriguing to see how they get on in Europe next season. I don't think they will be overawed by the task, though. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of an unknown, really, isn't it? It's just a sort of a much smaller team like this, just coming out of nowhere, and like, and it, it's just even the whole, all of Europe will be watching them to see how they get on in the Champions League. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, just one last point on sort of Leicester and Spurs, uh, just before we move on to the Champions League semi-finals uh, and Europa League semi-finals. Just um, Deli Ali, uh, obviously. Punching Claudio Jacob in the stomach, silly decision in midweek. Obviously, probably a bit frustrated at 
Um, but that was it was still in the first half when it happened actually the 26 minutes. So he, I mean, that's when I think Spurs were winning at that point. And you know, he he's, he has had this aggressive streak. He had that moment for Spurs. I think it was away at Fiorentina uh, in the Europa League a bit earlier uh, this year when he sort of kicked out off the pitch at one of the Fiorentina defenders and. He sort of said, you know, I'm not going to lose my aggressive streak, but he's now banned for three matches, uh, violent conduct. So he's out for the rest of the season now, which probably you could look at it in, from an England fan's point of view and say, right, he's, there's no chance of him really getting injured the rest of the season. He's got a nice little rest uh, before Euro 2016. But it's not it's not a good way for the season to end for a player who, like you said earlier, just won the PFA Young Player of the Year. No, it's definitely not. I, I sort of agree with him that he doesn't want to lose that aggressive streak. I, wasn't, I thought there was a bit much made of it. I didn't think there was too much in it. Okay, he was... Obviously wrong, but it wasn't exactly a haymaker he threw there. It was just a little, a little jab in the stomach. That sort of stuff does happen in games. I, I thought there was a bit much made of it. Um, but one, once it was going to be reviewed, it was always really going to be a three-game ban because that's what you get for that sort of incident. It's a blow for uh, Tottenham in terms of how they want to finish as high as possible and get as many points as possible because he has been one of their standout players this season. But I think... They, he might have been rested towards the end of the season anyways probably not this weekend with um, the title not mathematically out of their reach but once it was out of their reach he might have been rested anyway so yeah, it's not the end of the world it's come probably at the best time it could have come out towards the end of the season uh, perhaps overstepped the line a bit but I, I I quite like to see that sort of stuff from Ali I think it adds to his game I think no one's going to really push him around you think he's he's not like the biggest he's a bit of a wiry figure although he's quite tall he's a bit of a wiry figure a youngster coming in a teenager coming into the Premier League people would have thought they might be able to kick him about but that hasn't happened he stands up for himself which is really good to see and I think you need that that sort of grit and determination to to become a top player and he's well on his way to becoming that yeah and I think that's obviously he's still only 20 years old and you'd expect that's the kind of thing he's going to uh, mature over time and he, he'll learn to sort of you know curb that in the future but I think I certainly agree it shows that he's not like I said being overawed in certain situations and he's he's up for the fight which for a player who last season was playing in League One is just very very impressive from him so disappointing into the season but a great campaign for Ali overall um, so enough of the Premier League for now we'll come back to it uh, in a bit with the top four race uh, and the relegation battle but uh, now to the Champions League in midweek uh, the semi-final first legs uh, Tuesday night Man City Real Madrid that was uh, not a great game, nil-nil there, so not much different there, but um, the game you watched uh, and covered for us on uh, Wednesday night, Atletico Bayern, I mean, Atletico did superbly in the last round to knock out Barcelona, take on Pep Guardiola's uh, Bayern Munich, everyone's talking about Simeone Guardiola, two of the best managers in the world going uh, toe-to-toe, and it was Simeone keeping another clean sheet, uh, Sol with the goal, a superb solo goal, and I mean, just what did you make of the game overall? Yeah, well, I think Simeone definitely came out on top in the battle between the two managers. It was, it was just really an exhibition of how to spoil a game. Well, spoil Bayern Munich's game, not spoil the actual <laughs> game because it was a good game to watch. Sol's goal was incredible, fantastic solo effort. But after that, Atletico were more than happy to see Bayern. They actually saw quite a lot of the ball before that Atletico, but then it came in the eleventh minute, and from then on, it was pretty much seventy percent possession at the very least for Bayern Munich for the rest of the game. And Atletico were just sat in back, but not sitting back deep in their own half they were hounding Bayern on the ball often um, teams give Bayern Munich a bit too much respect and a bit too much time on the ball Atletico didn't do that they were snapping at their heels uh, all the time and there was, there was a spell in the second half where they dropped off a bit with their intensity which is understandable considering how much they were going at it in the first half but the, they still then defended their 18 um, yard box so so well and Jan Oblak didn't really have to make too many saves um, he's got a fantastic clean sheet record this season obviously added another in that game against Bayern Munich but it was just 
a fantastic defensive performance from Atletico Madrid, which we know is their strength. Is they're the only team in Europe who really could completely shut down a, a Barcelona or a Bayern Munich, which is now what they've done in the last two rounds. And mm. whether they can do it at the Allianz Arena remains to be seen. But it was just such a, a an exhibition of just all the other tactics which aren't really in in the manual. Really, it's things like. There was a big um, thing about the pitch that Bayern Munich players and Guardiola weren't happy with the pitch at all. You've got to think that was a deliberate ploy from Simeone. There were things like when Alonso was about to take a corner, they had people warming up so he didn't have the space he wanted to take that corner. And um, <laughs> It was just everything like that. He knows every single trick in the book. They were wasting time, every opportunity, a few dives in there, which obviously isn't good to see, but it's all gamesmanship there in Spain and... Simeone is the master at it. He did exactly what he needed to do to come away with the victory, and it puts him in a really good position going back to the Allianz Arena. Certainly not a commanding position by Munich, very much still in the tie, but it's just a really, really good defensive performance from Atletico Madrid. And as I mentioned before the tie, they're a team no one in Europe is going to want to face because they're so hard to beat. Yeah, and just you know the defensive uh, standpoint, you know they didn't even have Diego Godin in that match, did they? And he's arguably the best centre back in the world, so. Uh, for him not to be there and then to keep the likes of Bayern out. I mean, I'm not sure what you made of uh, Guardiola's team selection. Big surprise to see uh, Thomas Müller on the bench. I mean, uh, I mean, watching Müller, I'm certainly not one of his biggest fans, just the way he plays, because all his goals seem to be scrappy tappings and the ball falls his way. But, I mean, I appreciate how great a player is because of the positions he gets into and he just really seems to miss. And I mean, do you think he was the kind of player who maybe could have started and maybe had an impact on that match? Well, I think, obviously, Guardiola took a risk with it, but... He, he does this pretty much every game. He chops and changes. You never know what to expect from a Guardiola team selection. You don't know if Lam's going to be in defence or central midfield. You don't know if he's going to play three at the back. And that's what he's built his managerial career on. So when the odd occasion it goes wrong, I don't really think you can blame him too much. I could see the thinking behind not um, selecting Muller. It was a surprise, but it, in the way they play the game, really, they, Alonso sits there and he spreads the ball from side to side. And with Atletico Madrid so compact and so organised, their best chance was probably spreading it side to side, putting the balls in the box, and then Lewandowski nodding it in. As it was, that didn't work. Lewandowski was very quiet; didn't didn't really um, have an impact on the game at all. Uh, and Muller perhaps might have been a little better in there, but it's hard to see how he could have made too much of a difference the way Atletico Madrid defended either. So I would expect to see him back in the second leg. Um, maybe he could have done a, a better with a few chances that Vidal had um, because he's more of a natural finisher than Vidal although Vidal has been in good scoring form recently himself mm. um, I would expect to see him back in the second leg it was a surprise to see him but I, I don't really see how much more Muller, Muller would have done against that Atletico Madrid performance so I don't I don't see it as a big gaffe from, um, from Guardiola leaving him out but it, it certainly was a surprise yeah I mean just uh, I didn't see too much of the game, but I mean, from your viewpoint, what what would you say are sort of some things that uh, Bayern have to do in the second leg if they're going to have any chance of breaking down this athletic defence? Well, they need to they need to be more aggressive and sounds very strange to say, but a bit more confident on the ball because obviously they're one <laughs> of the most confident ball teams there is on the ball. But in the first half, when Atletico were really in their faces, some players who are usually so competent on the ball just looked like. They they didn't want it really. They took one touch and they're immediately under pressure. And obviously, huge credit has to go to Atletico for that. And it was quite noticeable how much how many more back passes they were being forced into playing than usual. So, I think it, it is going to be different. I think in the Atletico uh, game, the the Vicente Calderon the um, atmosphere in there was incredible. I think some of the Bayern Munich players at first 
you know, were a bit taken aback by that. Even though they've been there and done it all before, that atmosphere was really, really good. So I think Bayern were taken back from that. Obviously, that's not going to happen in the Allianz Arena. They'll probably see even more of the ball. Um, maybe they need to uh, play it a bit quicker, play it a bit more um, clever passes. But it's hard to really say that about Bayern Munich because they know exactly what they need to do. They were just prevented from doing it by Atletico. It was more a good Atletico performance than it was a poor Bayern Munich performance. Uh, the the uh, danger for Bayern will be leaving too much at the back. They can often be um, a bit uh, loose at the back when they've dominated possession so much and then one ball over the top releases someone with the pace of a Torres or a Griezmann. Torres nearly made it 2-0 by hitting the post with one of those counter-attacks, which was a really good um, effort from Torres. It was vintage Torres from his Liverpool days. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cutting inside and then... Uh hitting it with the outside of his boot just hit the post so they need to be wary of that and obviously Atletico Madrid did score at the Camp Nou so we know they can do it at the big grounds away from home and an away goal would make things so difficult for Bayern as we mentioned with Atletico so good defending so there are stuff Bayern need to do but they're sort of also uh, dependent on Atletico not being as organised and not playing as well defensively which is a big ask with Simeone as their manager Definitely, and I think obviously Bayern in the last round only beat Benfica 1-0 at home and Atletico obviously posed a much more difficult challenge than that, so it'd be a very interesting second leg. Um, as for the other match, you know, there's a very, very good chance that it could be um, all-Madrid final, Atletico-Real for the second time in three years. Real Madrid go to the Etihad, uh, obviously big night for Man City, their first ever uh, Champions League semi-final, and I mean, it's not the worst result, 0-0 for City, but I think at home like that, you want to try and score a goal. I mean, Aguero was very quiet in the match. And especially when Real Madrid didn't have Cristiano Ronaldo in that match. Um, Karim Benzema came off at half-time injured. And obviously, I think Gareth Bale really disappointed in that game. But, I mean, it's, it's advantage Real in that tie, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And they will see it as a missed chance, City. After not seeing Ronaldo even on the bench for that mm-hmm. match. To, to, I think they needed to push a bit harder. There was nothing really in the game. Real Madrid came close. His heart made a couple of saves, including that excellent save from Pepe from point blank range. Mm. Um, and as you say, nil nil is not the worst result. They are still in the tie, but it's very hard to see them stopping Real Madrid from scoring at the Bernabeu. If they can get an away goal, which they'll fancy their chances with those attacking the attacking talent they've got. Kevin De Bruyne, Aguero looks like David Silva is going to be out after he uh, was forced to limp off, which is a big blow for them. But De Bruyne and Aguero, especially, they've been in really good form recently. Um, Aguero not so much in the Champions League, but we all know if he has an on day, he can hurt any defence uh, in world football. So they may fancy their chance of nicking an away goal, but it's just Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. They just you fancy them to score two or three at least every single game so it's going to be difficult for Man City you mentioned goalless draws not the worst result in the world they could have come away with and some people might have been expecting worse against the Real Madrid side in such good form at the moment but it's going to be difficult for them I, I, I struggle to see them getting through at the Bernabeu yeah, I think City certainly... I think they've got a good chance of scoring there. I mean, the way Madrid play, sometimes they can leave themselves uh, very open at the back. But like I said, I can't really see them getting a draw there. I think they'll score, but I think Madrid might come out uh, comfortably on top. And I'd say 
you know, you certainly uh, would put Atletico as favourites uh, in the other tie as well. So, I mean, I fancy an all-Madrid final. Uh, don't know about you. Yeah, I, th- I certainly fancy Real Madrid to get through. I'm still un- unsure because I had Bayern Munich as favourites as soon as Barcelona got knocked out. But then Atletico keep doing this and keep coming up with the goods. So that's, that's going to be a really tight one. It's not... Um, unreasonable to think that Bayern Munich are going to win that 1-0 and it's going to go all the way to extra time and penalties I can see it being another pretty tight game it's just going to be all the onus on Bayern Munich to break Atletico Madrid down they've certainly got the tools to do it so I think that one might go all the way Um, I would go for a Bayern Munich one just to be a bit different to you (laughs) Okay, so I fancy uh, an all-Spanish final in the Champions League and there's a really good chance it could be an all-Spanish final in the Europa League as well. I mean, La Liga has obviously been the dominant uh, sort of league in Europe the last few years. And just looking at the two Europa League semi-final first legs uh, from Thursday night, uh, Villarreal uh, against Liverpool. Villarreal getting uh, injury time winner there to sort of put themselves in the driving seat in Sevilla. Uh, obviously, winners the last two years uh, in this competition. They go to Shakhtar Donetsk, who have been uh, they'd won five in a row in the Europa League and get a 2-2 draw there with two away goals so you say the two Spanish sides in these two ties are looking good but I mean uh, you watched the Liverpool game I mean obviously Liverpool Jurgen Klopp said in his post-match press conference you know they've still got to come to Anfield it's going to be very difficult for them but to concede like that very late on a real big blow for the Reds wasn't it? Yeah absolute sucker punch that was because they'd defended so well throughout the game Torre in particular was had a, such a good game and Lucas as well just really stunting all Vill- uh, Villarreal's threats so Dennis Suarez was quiet he's he had the most um, assists in the Europa League heading into that match and then obviously got another one right at the death Bakambu was in such good form six goals in the knockout stages already um, he he was kept quiet until the 87th minute when he was denied by a great save from Mignolet it was just, just it, seemed, it looked like being an almost perfect um, away European performance they would have liked an away goal but they did to be honest they didn't look too fussed about that one they they were more set up to get get the draw they were, they enjoyed quite a lot of possession in the last 10 minutes or so throughout the whole game it was pretty even but in the last 10 minutes or so they enjoyed a lot of um, a lot of the ball just couldn't really find a way through and they didn't really push for a way through Firmino only really had one or two touches in the opposition box and he was our main striker so that's a sign of the the type of game it was it was a really cagey affair chances were few and far between until that Liverpool just went to sleep once defensively right at the death Moreno got caught up field which was yep. stupid at that um that stage of the game just one ball over the top Dennis Suarez great touch and then very unselfishly played it across for a simple finish it's an absolute sucker punch for Liverpool because they had done well all game but certainly t- not tie over because coming back to Anfield especially after that Dortmund game in the last one Liverpool fans Liverpool players will certainly believe that they can come back from a 1-0 deficit it's going to be difficult against the Villarreal side who are so strong defensively I mentioned Liverpool's defenders Villarreal were also good looks like Bailey's going to be out though which is a big blow for them because he's been so good all season and he was good again last night uh, he limped off in the, uh, in the last match so with a muscle problem which you know doesn't tend to get healed in a week or so so they could be without him Still going to be difficult for Liverpool to break them down. Just another point on the Spanish things you mentioned there. Unbelievable stat when I was uh, doing research for the Villarreal-Liverpool game was none, none of the Spanish sides in Europe have been knocked out by a foreign team this season. They've all been knocked out. The ones who have gone out have all been knocked out by fellow Spanish sides. So that just goes <laughs> goes to show the strength in, in La Liga at the moment. It's a, it's a fantastic league and as you say they could do a clean sweep of European trophies again. Yeah, and when everyone thinks, you know, well, in the last sort of five, six years, it's been mainly Real and Barca, but obviously Atletico now in that sort of trio. But the rest of the league, I mean, 
you say some of the teams in the bottom half are quite weak and maybe it's not as strong top to bottom as say the Premier League but you know you look at teams like Villarreal Sevilla uh, all these teams like Valencia it's, it's very solid you know those first sort of seven eight places and you know I mean it's amazing the dominance that I mean that's a, that's a great stat and um, it's going to be very interesting to see next season how you know with new teams from England like Leicester going in there and it's going to be hard to you know break down some of the more established Spanish names but um, back to Liverpool quickly um a lot of the talk during the match, you know, and before the match, Sturridge getting left on the bench. Um, a lot of puzzled Liverpool fans because sort of Origi had been the main striker in recent weeks, but he's out injured at the moment. And then he goes with Firmino, which, you know, fair enough, you know, if, if you don't want to play uh, an out-and-out striker and maybe play more of a false nine and try and pack out the midfield a bit more. But then when he de- decided to bring on a striker in the second half, it was Benteke he went for. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on the Sturridge situation. Well, I, th- I think he's he thought a draw would be a good result from that one and... Firmino is more suited to, towards the counter-attacking aspect of the game and a bit of a more fluid attack. Obviously, he's not the established centre-forward, but I think he maybe does a better job on the counter-attack and closing down especially, which might have been the main thing for Klopp in that one. So you could see why it was still a surprise because I expected, um, with Origi's injury, I expected Stowers to, um, to to start that match. You can Again, you can see why Benteke came off the bench late on because he's the focal point. He can hold the ball up. And see out the um, see out the draw. It was a surprise, and if I was Sturridge, I'd be getting pretty frustrated right now because it's a lot of big games now. He's been left out of the Merseyside derby, both legs against Dortmund. He seems to be quite far down the pecking order when it comes to the first choice eleven. Obviously, he's played a few games recently. He scored in his last three appearances, so he's he's got he's in good goal scoring form, and I think he might start the second leg when now that we really need a goal because um, he's always good for a goal. So. You can see why Klopp did it, but it is still a bit, a bit of a surprise, and I think he he does risk frustrating Sturridge a bit now. And you'd you'd want to keep Sturridge at the club because he's such a good goal scorer. Yeah, and obviously Sturridge, especially with Euro twenty sixteen just around the corner now, that must be uh, even more frustrating for him. But I mean, just at the back, I was going to sort of say, do you think Liverpool are going to miss? Obviously, there's the Sacco situation with him uh, testing positive uh, on that drug test. But I mean, like you said last night, Colo Torre, you know, he had, he's, he's quite a sort of, he's either brilliant or shambolic, isn't he? And last night he was uh, the former, but I mean, do you think Liverpool, I mean, obviously Torre's had a great game there, but they probably are going to miss Sacco just considering how sort of he'd been so, he'd been the most consistent of all the Liverpool defenders this season. Yeah, I think we will miss him because he, he was, he was having a really good season. I think, I think with Klopp though, he seems to defensively, especially he seems to have turned these, defenders we had who pretty much all looked pretty shambolic apart from Martin Skirtle and even him at times had the odd error but Lovren had a terrible start to his career Torre used to give a goal away a game uh, Sacco obviously looked very dodgy on the ball during his uh, uh, early Liverpool days but Klopp seems to turn them all into really good solid defenders and um, I think Lovren is probably first choice now obviously with Sacco out he's He's having a really good season himself. Torre, as you mentioned, had a really good game uh, yesterday. And he's still got Martin Skirtle on the bench, who has fallen down the pecking order, a bit like Daniel Sturridge, really, started the season as a first choice, but he's fallen down the pecking order now. Uh, th- the problem, the main problem is, not that not in the starting eleven, but the depth we've got now. We've only really got three central defenders. If one of them get injured uh, towards the closing stage of the season, we're looking very, uh, very light at the back. And, wow... That may not be a problem in the Premier League when we're running out of games. Should Liverpool get through to the Europa League final and be short at the back, then that could be a problem. So it's certainly not ideal, the Sacco situation, but it's not much really Liverpool can do about it. It's an unforeseen thing. It's an individual thing ever from him uh, not to check all that stuff. So 
not really much Liverpool can do with it. I think they they probably will miss him, but he, they had no option but to leave him out while the um, investigation was pending. And then obviously UEFA's ban came itself, and it's expected to be even longer than that, probably up to twelve months. Mm. Well, I mean, you, you can just play Lucas at centre back, can't you? He had that great game. Was it in the League Cup <laughs> final can. when he had that great game? So you can just play him at centre yeah. back. Um, but let's just move on quickly to the uh, other Europa League semi-final. Like I said, uh, Sevilla winners the last two years. Um, go to Shakhtar, who I've seen quite a few of their games in the last couple of rounds. And I mean, the one thing I'd say about Shakhtar is you look at all their sort of victories in the first uh, three knockout rounds, they tended to get stronger as the tie went on. Um, but I would say that last night, obviously, not being able to win at home, conceding two away goals uh, to a team who have just been so successful in this competition in recent years. I mean, it's hard to see Sevilla not winning this one, isn't it? Yeah, that late Gamero penalty, that changes the whole complexion of the tie. At 2-1, Sevilla certainly still in it, but Shakhtar would have felt pretty confident um, heading to Spain. At 2-1, Sevilla are certainly favourites for that one. As, um, as you say, they've got such a good record in this competition. They know these latter stages so well. They know how to win it. One that the last two seasons, looking to make it three in a row for the first time in this competition's history. I think first time in any European history uh, competition and since... Uh, Bayern Munich won three champion European Cups in a row back in the 70s so it'd be a pretty impressive feat if they can go all the way and they're certainly favourites that that penalty does change everything and uh, I can't say I've seen too much of them in the Europa League this season but the way they go on obviously started in the Champions League and then dropped into it they look like a force to be reckoned with and you'd be a brave man to bet against them making it three in a row this season Definitely I think you'd have to say they're favourites to go through in that one and I mean, I think it's going to be difficult for Liverpool uh, the way Villarreal are playing, but I know you must be pretty confident going back to Anfield. I mean, you see Liverpool getting through that one? Definitely, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> nice, all right, okay. So uh, Villarreal, um, sorry, Liverpool, Sevilla could be the Europa League final. Um, but let's move on back to the Premier League now. Uh, we're going to just look at the top four race quickly because Arsenal, you know, their, their form's faltered a bit of late. It's three draws in four matches. And, you know, they're, they're still five points above Man United, but if Man United got a game in hand, if they win that, it's only two points. I mean, time's getting a bit nervy for Arsenal, isn't it? It is, and if they miss out on the top four, then that's pretty catastrophic for the club because this is really the only thing Wenger's had to cling to over these last 12 or so years, obviously the FA Cup last couple of years, but this season especially when the pressure's growing on him, growing on him this game is going to have fan protests calling for him to leave, which... You know, there's a level we haven't really got to. There's been the odd fan, but now two pretty prominent supporters groups are imploring everyone to bring banners, asking him, asking Wenger to leave, and asking the board why the club is being run like it is being run. So that's a new, really low of the whole Wenger era. It's never really happened for him before, which goes to show how impatient the fans are getting. Because you know, successive weekends now they've they've dropped points when they really needed. Uh, to to pick up wins because they were still in the title race at that point just about but then the draw against West Ham draw against Crystal Palace obviously win in midweek against West Brom in between there but then especially the draw against Sunderland just such a an underwhelming thing to underwhelming way to just drop out mathematically out of the title race completely and then allow the chasing pack to claw some points back uh, to them in the in the Champions League race um it is nervy times for them at the moment. They've got a big game against Manchester City coming up, which is the the one that they'll be most worried about because the, the two other games, at home to Norwich and at home to Aston Villa, you'd have to say they'd be favourites going into that. You'd expect them to get six points from those two games. The one against Manchester City is the big one. If they lose that and United win the remainder of their games, then they're out of the Champions League. Yeah, the only thing with the United game, as we've already talked about, it is at home to Leicester this weekend and Obviously, all the all the focus is going to be on Leicester whether they can 
uh, win the league there at Old Trafford. So I mean, it's it's still going to be it would still be a huge surprise if Arsenal did drop out. I mean, City are on the same amount of points as them as well, but their goal difference is considerably better. And I mean, Man United they're the only team realistically that can catch them. West Ham are three points further if they have a game in hand as well. But I mean, if they win that, it's still five points and. I can't see West Ham clawing that back. So it'd be a big surprise, you know, if, if Arsenal did lose uh, their place in the top four. But, I mean, you sort of said that this weekend's game, uh, obviously the two home games they've got left against uh, Norwich and Villa. The one against Norwich, obviously, expecting to win on paper. But Norwich, uh, they're in that relegation scrap at the moment. And they, they dropped into the bottom three uh, last weekend uh, with Sunderland getting that point uh, against Arsenal. They're both on 31 points. Uh, Newcastle on 30. But, I mean, Sunderland and Norwich do both have a game in hand on Newcastle. It's, it's so, so tight down there, isn't it? It is, and the Newcastle just starting to pick up points. As you mentioned, the, that comeback against Liverpool you know, kept their uh, survival hopes alive, but it's they wouldn't have given up on it at the moment, but Sunderland and Norwich, for me, it might, might be between them with that game in hand. Obviously, there's no guarantee of them picking up points because they are down there, but Sunderland especially, they're, they've stopped the rot in terms of defeats, which is the mandate, really. Allardyce came in with these... He's only lost one of his last seven, I think it is. Only won one of those last seven as well, but the draws he's got in that time, five draws in the time, just edging closer and closer to safety. And as I mentioned, that one against Arsenal uh, just took him out of the relegation zone, which is absolutely huge for them. It looks like Allardyce may have done the business. The really intriguing thing with the relegation battle between Sunderland and Norwich is their respective run-ins. They both got very uh, similar run-ins. I think Sunderland have got Chelsea and then Watford and Everton in the last two and Norwich have got Manchester United and then Watford and Everton in the last two as well they both play Watford and Everton in their last two games so it's it's really interesting the way that's going to pan out um, I think Norwich need to keep an eye on goal difference as well because it could come down to that in the end that's why they're in the relegation zone at the moment so so many uh, intriguing factors in that relegation battle Newcastle certainly not out of it just yet and They've got Aston Villa coming up after this weekend, after Crystal Palace, who may have one eye on the FA Cup final as well. So they're certainly not out of it. Tottenham on the final day, they might not fancy too much from, although Tottenham themselves might not have anything to fight for there. So that's a chance they could get points. So three teams still in it, but Sunderland and Norwich, I I think that's the most intriguing battle going on in that relegation clash. Yeah, I think it was interesting what um, Sunderland boss uh, Sam Allardyce, he said, I think he's tried to sort of cause a bit of a reaction from uh, Crystal Palace before this weekend's game. He said... You know, obviously Palace winning uh, the FA Cup semi-final last weekend he was like they're probably not going to be up for it this weekend You know, even though Palace they're the team just above these three on 39 points eight, eight points clear of the bottom three you wouldn't expect those uh, Palace to really drop into that battle so he was saying you know, if, if there's a 50-50 tackle there you know, a player's probably not going to go in because he doesn't want to miss the FA Cup final I think even though he might believe that a bit, he's probably trying to get it out there and trying to cause, you know, make sure that, you know, maybe Alan Pardew sees it and tells his players, you know, ignore those comments, you know, we still want to win today. And interesting to see if, how Palace do perform this weekend because for Newcastle, it's such a big game for them. Obviously, their, their goal difference uh, is the worst of these three teams that played a game more than the other two. So if they don't get a win this weekend, you probably, like I said, it's probably going to be between Sunderland and, and Norwich. But I mean, you'd say, would you pick Newcastle to win this weekend against Palace? I think I would, and I think I'd also go for Sunderland to certainly get something out of the game against Stoke, maybe even win it, because Stoke are in such poor form, conceded four goals in each of their last three games. They they seem to be on the beach, and I think they'll want a response. So I predicted in my preview for that game, I predicted a 0-0 draw, but I wouldn't be too surprised to see if Sunderland nicked a win from that. Norwich have certainly got the toughest, uh, toughest fixture this weekend, so they could find themselves um, being left behind a little bit by the the northeast duo this weekend 
if Arsenal can get a win, but then there's no guarantee with Arsenal at the moment because they, they seem to be dropping points. Obviously, they dropped points against uh, Sunderland last time out, which is an example of how they can uh, shock, re- shock you, really, with not beating one of the relegation candidates. Uh, from an Arsenal perspective, it's a big weekend for them. I think they've got the easiest um, match out of the top four candidates. Obviously, we mentioned United against Leicester. They're looking ahead, United's game in hand comes against West Ham. Uh, at Upton Park is going to be the last ever game at Upton Park so that's going to be a big occasion for West Ham it's going to be really difficult for them to claw that back so if Arsenal can get a win this weekend that will be huge for them a big step towards it heading into that Man City game and obviously Man City against Southampton they'll probably have one eye on the, um, the Champions League in midweek Southampton in really good form themselves uh, it's, a, it's a really good chance this weekend for Arsenal in the top four but if Norwich can pull something out of that as well then it's a big, big bonus, an unexpected bonus for them in a weekend where they might be expecting the other two relegation candidates to win. Yeah, it certainly looks like it could be a really pivotal weekend. But just uh, just before we finish, let's just quickly look back uh, to the FA Cup semi-finals last weekend. It's going to be uh, Man United Crystal Palace in the final, uh, repeat of the 1990 uh, final. And I mean, starting with Man United, I mean it was a, it was a, it was a really great cup tie on Saturday against Everton. They they were the better team in the first half, took the lead through Fellaini, but Everton. Uh, really really good in the second half they came back well because there was questions about their commitment obviously there's all the questions over Roberto Martinez apparently there's a board meeting today and I mean if if that goes badly for him and they lose to Bournemouth this weekend he could be sacked next week so I mean the writing kind of looks on the wall for Martinez but Everton they did really well to come back uh, got the goal I mean it was lucky goal in the end the, the Chris Smalling own goal but for them to lose the way they did it looked like the tie was going to extra time and then last minute 93rd minute um uh, Anthony Martial, great first touch, superb finish into the corner. I mean, Martial, some of his finishing in you know in big moments like that has just been uh, supreme this season. But for Everton, massive blow, wasn't it? It was a massive blow because it was such a big occasion for them. But to be honest, I think you would usually usually in this if we had this FA Cup final and most other years in the past, you'd say much bigger day for Palace than it is for United. I think it's pretty much equal equally as big for both clubs. Obviously, there's the United thing; it could be the only thing that saves Van Hal's job it's absolutely huge for him if he can end this season with a trophy there's at least a bit of positivity at the end of what has been a pretty poor season for United I think they still need six points or something to um, uh, five points to equal their lowest ever Premier League points tally which goes to show how poor it has been for them all season but things do seem to be getting a bit better for them now four wins in a row in all competitions um I don't think that would disguise the fact that it's been such a poor season, but if they can win the FA Cup, which they haven't done since 2004, which is far too long for for a club like Manchester United, then it will be huge. Obviously, Palace very, very rarely get to this stage of the competition, so it's absolutely massive for them. But United, it's it's important that they win it as well, especially uh, from Van Gaal's point of view, because it could save his job. Definitely, and I mean, as for Palace, you know, considering where they were just before Christmas, you know, they'd had an amazing first half of the season. They're right up there. Not necessarily in the top four race, but they were sort of in and around that area with you know other impressive teams like Watford and West Ham. I mean, West Ham have managed to sort of keep up their charge, but Watford and Palace, who obviously contested that uh, semi-final last weekend, they're both fallen away. But I mean, for Palace to reach the FA Cup final, if they can go and win that trophy, even though uh, in the league it has been a disappointing sort of slide down the table, uh, it would be you know a, a great achievement for them, wouldn't it? And Alan Pardew. Yeah, definitely. And the, the, perhaps the promising thing for them is they have halted the slide a little bit obviously Premier League they've still only got that one that, that win over Norwich but they have only lost one of their last six games okay that did come against Manchester United but one defeat in six is a is an improvement on that slump that saw them drop so far down the table 
So they might be might be just starting to turn things around just at the right time heading into that FA Cup final. They'll they'll want a decent uh, performance against Newcastle this weekend and Stoke maybe to get the wheels in motion. But as you mentioned earlier, they could be forgiven for having one eye on on the FA Cup final and. It is a huge, huge day for them, and they, as I mentioned, they don't make this um, stage of the competition very often. So, absolutely massive day for them. They'll be desperate to win it. Alan Pardew's been such an impressive manager over the last few seasons. I think it'll be good for an English manager like that to uh, to lift the trophy as well. So, it is a big day for all involved, really. I think. Of course, it is. Yes, the FA Cup final. It's always going to be a massive day, and like I said, it's interesting to think how you know for both managers and the situation at United. It's sort of different from in recent years when they would have reached the final but uh, pick a winner for the final I would I think I'm going to have to go for Manchester United unfortunately <laughs> yeah I think it's I mean if Palace do it would be a great achievement but I think Man United considering you know I mean unless Arsenal really slip up I mean United they, they can really focus on that they can rest their key players and you just think on the day they probably should have too much of Palace so I'll say Man United as well but um, anyway I think that's all we've got time for uh, this week Barnes uh, thanks a lot um, please do head to the website sportsmore.co.uk uh, this weekend for live coverage of all the big Premier League games including that uh, huge match at Old Trafford on Sunday as Leicester try and win the league um, thanks very much for listening see you again soon <laughs>